Hello and welcome to Emotional Self Mastery, the best podcast on regaining personal power, self-confidence, and peace. I'm your host, Cheryl C. Jones. And I'm Kathy, the producer of this podcast. Each week, together, we explore topics that will help you eliminate negative self-talk, worry, anxiety, and fear, so so you can live your best life. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Cheryl. What are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about a little bit of a heavy subject. It's dealing with loss courageously. You know, at one time or another in our lives, we all have to deal with a loss. During this time of the pandemic, a lot of people have had losses that are around their jobs. And then there are the losses of family members and friends that may have contracted COVID and passed away or may have just died of natural causes. Then there is another kind of loss, and that is the loss of of our companions, our pets. And that can be as devastating as losing a, he- a fellow human being. So it's, it's, I felt like that was an opportunity for us to talk about something that's a little bit serious and that none of us really want to look at. But I think it's important because the emotions that we feel during times of loss or the expectation that we're going to lose our best friend or our, I'm referring to an animal, or a family member or something like that, that expectation and those emotions can be so heavy and difficult to deal with on top of everything else we have going on and us entering the holiday season. So it's like this trifecta of difficulty right now. The perfect storm. It is a perfect storm. And I know that, I know that you have a very close fur baby to you that's unhealthy right now. Yes. She's a cat and she's just beautiful and such a sweetie. And I'm having great difficulty because I have a 12-year-old Shih Tzu who looks like he's headed on his way out. And then our dear friend Brandy also has Foxy and Foxy's not doing well either. It's it's yeah. just a real tough time. So Let's dedicate this show to Foxy, Comet, and Panda. I like that idea because they've all brought us joy and love and attention. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not leaving out any of our human friends and family members. It's just we're going to dedicate our show to these three guys. I think that's nice. You mentioned the holidays, and we're recording this during the beginning of the holidays of 2020, which <laughs> that aside, <laughs> um, you know, I did a little research because I, I know you and I talked about how we thought death rates increase over the holidays for some reason. And I thought you were right. And I did some research according to WebMD and the National Safety Council. It is correct. Deaths increase over the holidays. And that period is December 25th to January 7th. Oh, wow. So, yeah, with, with it sounds like the majority of, of, um, of heart-related deaths being on the December 25th itself. Isn't that fascinating? Other seasonal-related deaths are fires, which that's, you know, due to use of power tools, small appliances, lighting, heating, etc., that kind of thing, electrical. And then 
poisonings, mostly carbon monoxide. That makes sense. And, yeah. and then some household items, but primarily it's the carbon monoxide, which again also makes, makes sense. And then also falls. Wow. So think about people putting their star at the top of the tree or <laughs> putting lights outside the house. So we were right. And pets are, are along that same, that same thing. And with heart-related problems, fires, poisoning, and falls. And again, some of the reasons for the heart attacks and heart-related issues is that people put off their care, their personal care, or the care for their pet until after the holiday. They're like, oh, you know, I don't feel so right, but I'll wait until the 26th to go to yeah. that. So it's, it's delayed medical mm-hmm. attention primarily in that area. But Well, so. and you know that you bring up a really good point. On New Year's Day of this year, Comet's brother, another Shih Tzu, his half-brother, passed away. And there was kind of a telltale sign the day before. And I guess that was Christmas Eve. No, no, New Year's Eve, I guess, where he kind of stumbled for a minute and didn't act like his normal self. And I'd never seen that behavior before. And then it didn't repeat. Right. And so I thought, I'll just wait. Because, you know, all the hullabaloo of running him to the vet and all of that stuff, well, maybe I should have. But what I do know is that he had a heart murmur and that it may not have changed the outcome of the situation. Maybe that was just a sign to try to prepare me at some level. But let me tell you, it didn't really prepare me enough. for. for oh, no. That was a pretty hard one. What a way to start a year. But if you recall, I lost Panda's sister, Ashlyn, on Christmas morning, 2019. And it, it was, she had some, you know, liver failure going on. And so, you know, she, we knew death was imminent, but girlfriend passed right there in my arms on Christmas morning. Aye, that's so hard. You know, yeah. Fitting right into the statistic. <laughs> I know. Thanks, dog, cat. Yeah. <laughs> the thing but, is, is the referencing of like, oh, maybe I should have taken him to the vet that day that should have or creates all this guilt kind of thing. And so it's really hard to know what to do. And it's difficult because we have these conflicting emotions all the time and we're not really sure if we're, you know, being overly cautious or overly worried or a crazy parent, pet parent in this case, or I guess it, it, there's just so many emotions that when I try to get logical about them, it's really difficult. I didn't want Pino to stay on the planet, nor do I want Comet to stay on the planet and him be uncomfortable and you know not eating and whatever. I, that's not a good quality of life. I wouldn't want that for a human being either. But then we get into, if it's not guilt, we get into self-judgment. And then it's like, oh, but... Because you, what you just did. Mm-hmm. with you know maybe i should have taken him to the doctor on the on new year's eve right it's, it's a tough call you know it's a really tough call right now what i'm experiencing is the grief before the event mm-hmm. comet's still here he's got a terrible cough the vet can't figure out what's wrong with him he doesn't have anything that's communicable he doesn't eat very much we're filling him with five different medications and 
at the same time, I'm like, oh, what do you do? You know, do I, I'm grieving about anticipating the loss. I'm trying to prepare myself. And at the same time, I really don't want him to go, but I don't want him to stay. It's this back and forth kind of thing, but he's not ill enough to, for me to take a serious action to just make that decision. You know? Well, that's hard to know too. That, that in and of itself is hard to know too. What, what do you do? You know. Absolutely. Well, then you're back to self-judgment, right? And back to self-judgment. Yeah. So you know what's, what's interesting is it seems like our society has changed in how we, because we're still talking about pets here. Let's. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be easier for us all. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, pets have become more like family to us, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, years and years, centuries ago when we were kids, you know, um, we had pets, they were great. We loved them, but, oh, they died. Okay. You know, now it's just so different. It's so gut wrenching. You know, it's this, this animal has laid there and you've cried on it. You've hugged it. You've, you know, and it's loved on you back. You know, I remember the first time our first dog and, uh, when he passed, the vet said to me, he said, there's two kinds of people. There's the people who see their, their animal as just an animal, like livestock or something. And then there's those who see their animals, their pets, as a family member. And I think that's where more and more of us are getting to today. Statistics are really, really high in terms of the number of people who've adopted pets during this pandemic. And my son, for one, and he said to me just last night, he says, had he not adopted Oakley when he, as a puppy, which he's now, what, four months old, he said, I don't think I would have gotten through the pandemic because he has his companion. And it's, that's really sweet. And your son is in college and his senior year and at such a important place in his life. That's great. It, it is. I think it, it teaches him how to love, teaches all of us how to love and yes. to receive love and to balance our emotions when we're in relationship with our companion. And I think there's a lot to be learned from it and a lot of benefit. The grief is difficult. There's just no other word for it. It's just difficult when there's something happens and you lose one. But it, it shouldn't be a reason not to invest your heart again, I believe. I agree. Yeah. You got to love again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking about and looking at my list that I made of the feelings that we get into, those emotions we get into. We've got anxiety. Like, when, when is this going to pass? Or, or when is the animal going to pass? Or when is the illness going to pass and they're going to recover? It wears on our nerves, just it just wears us down, that stress, that extra stress that we're carrying around. Then there's sometimes anger. We're mad that there's no solution, or we might be mad that we can't change the outcome, and that causes a lot of difficulty because it's really without, it's out of our hands quite often. The thing about emotions is that everything you feel, everything that you and I are feeling, everything that Brandy's feeling about Foxy is okay. And we need to let that be okay, not judge it, and just allow ourselves to express it. 
And don't make yourself wrong for it. And don't allow anybody else to make you wrong for it either. You shut them down. Please shut them down if anybody gives you a hard time about it. You have to feel. You absolutely have to feel your feelings Mm -hmm. to move forward, to get through it. You just have to. I don't think it's as much a stigma now as it used to be that people are like, it's your dog, get over it. It's just, you know, it's more of a, oh man, how old was he? And Show me a picture. Right, right. I think we've kind of come a little ways in that. Yeah, I hope so. Can I talk about a different kind of loss for a second? And yeah. Kind of, it's an advice column, right? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> as you know, both of my parents are in Alzheimer's care. They're in two separate homes. This was my first Thanksgiving without them. I was going along. Everything's fine. Like, oh, good. I don't have to go pick them up at the nursing home. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's some relief. Okay, that's good. So I planned a different type of Thanksgiving and went to my friend's house and we had a very small, nice Thanksgiving. And I felt so sad halfway through it. And the sense of loss just overwhelmed me because I knew I'll never be with them again that way, sitting around Thanksgiving table. So it was... That's a different kind of loss. Um, they haven't passed away. They're here, but they're not here. <laughs> Got it. I was trying so hard to be brave and not, you know, emote to bring everybody else down. <laughs> and I, I, I think I did a pretty good job of it. I kind of though wish I had said something and, hmm. you know, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I get that. I, I think when we don't acknowledge our feelings and we stuff them because that's kind of what you did was I'm projecting, but I'm kind of imagining you being there and with your family and, and the other family you were visiting and not, not saying what was true for you and stuffing it down, maybe thinking that, Oh, it's inappropriate. They don't know my parents or that kind of thing. When in reality, I think it was probably the most perfect time to do that. The struggle when we stuff it down is literally it can affect our bodies because we keep pushing it down and pushing it down. And it shows up for me in that way and has shown up for me over the last couple of weeks because this situation with my dog has been going on for a while. And literally I was getting an acid stomach at night and couldn't go to sleep because my stomach was burning so badly. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage you to figure out a way to communicate it even if you're writing it on a paper about how you feel or what your experience was or the loss or what you miss, I feel like that could be very helpful rather than trying to pretend like it's not there and everything is normal, whatever normal is. Mm -hmm. Because it's not normal. It's not normal on any front. Right. Maybe I should go, let's have a redo. Go back and I'll just tell everybody how I really felt. and. We'll have Thanksgiving too. (laughs) I love that idea. There's probably enough leftovers. (laughs) So my belief is that whether it's an animal or a human, they are always with you, that they're always nearby and that you need only to call on them for them to come from the spirit realm and be with you. 
maybe that's my Native American orientation, or maybe that's something I've read, or maybe it's just something I've chosen to believe. It doesn't really matter because it works for me. In fact, when my dad passed a few years ago, I remember feeling all kinds of things. For instance, I, I remember feeling relief that I didn't have to worry about him anymore. He was in another state. He lived in Florida. I live in Texas. And that was a real challenge because I couldn't get to him easily. Not only that, we had a real difficulty communicating with one another. Now, it may sound weird, but now that he's not here, I find it much easier to communicate with him. He's not on the planet. He's passed away. But the thing is, is I know all I have to do is call on him or think about him, and he shows up. When he was alive, we had a real challenge communicating. What I didn't know at the time was that he had Alzheimer's. And so that caused him to delay in his communication and not respond as quickly as I remembered him when I was younger. And he didn't always say what he meant. It wasn't a dementia type thing where he didn't know who I was or that kind of thing. He was just super delayed. And I didn't find out he had Alzheimer's until I read his death certificate. And that's what they put on the death certificate. But explained a whole lot. And all of a sudden I realized that that's the reason we had a problem communicating. And the sad part is I made it all up about me. I made it up that he didn't want to communicate with me. He was disapproving. He was evasive. He didn't want to be in relationship. And that wasn't, that's the farthest thing from the truth. I realize that now. And now we don't have language as a problem, as a, as a breakdown in our communication between us. And I feel like my relationship with my dad is 100% better than it ever was when he was alive. To me, that's wonderful. How did you get there? Well, I think cleaning his house out after he passed and finding a gazillion of the same item over and over again. And I would get angry and I'd go, really, dad? 72 of these little folding knives? Yes. <laughs> knives. I've been there with my parents too. I know you have. Oh my gosh. And then I had to start laughing because it was like, really? And then, uh, oh, there must have been 300 pairs of socks. But I started talking to him then directly, like you and I talked to one another, and I'd laugh at things, and I could feel he was laughing too. And over time, I think I've forgiven myself, I've forgiven him, and I think that was the, the first step, and just holding conversations. And you may think, oh, it's all one-sided, but the truth is, is that for me, I can feel him. I can feel him around me. I can feel his arm around my shoulder. And I can often get a sense of what he would say without the, the actual words. And to me, that means a whole lot. Well, if you're like me, going through your father's things also opens you up to seeing him as the wonderful person he was and all the things you didn't really see because you had anger in the way for a while. You know? Oh, absolutely. And so I think, though, I don't think it's one-sided. I think dad probably didn't have an issue with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's always been one-sided. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Absolutely. 
when I was going through some of his stuff, I noticed things that would trigger old memories, like canoeing down the Ishnatutney River in Central Florida and going up little tiny channels and getting stuck in the mangrove bushes. <laughs> and I remember my brother sitting, I was, I'm the oldest, so I sat in the front of the canoe, dad steered from the back, and my brother sat idly with no, no paddles in the middle. And we ran aground on some mangrove trees. And the only way to get, get out of the trees was for me to get out and stand in the mangroves and lift the canoe off and push us out. And I just know that he was laughing when I remembered that and was kind of revisiting that story. Or the yeah. time we went camping on the coast and we were eaten up all night long by sand fleas. And I, we never got any sleep. And if it wasn't the sand fleas, it was the armadillos outside the, our tent. And we didn't know what they were and they were scaring us. And so now it's pretty hysterical. But at the time, when you think back, those memories bring smiles to your face. Those are the sweet moments. I think we forget to dwell on the sweet moments, whether it's with a family member or with a pet. What were those sweet moments that we had when they did silly things or they looked at you, the pet looked at you with that human face and gave you a tilt of the head, kind of like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. Good memories. They really are. I think we're not really separated. We just take on a different form. Our family members and those that we've lost take on a different form. Our animals take on a different form. And it's the perspective that we choose to look at it with that makes all the difference. I see it from, from a perspective of that we're all one. We're all energy. We're in different forms for different purposes in this life. And when we go, I hope that we've all fulfilled our purpose. Yeah. That is the goal. That is the goal. Tell us, sort of wrap up our discussion. What are your suggestions for dealing with grief and loss in a courageous way? Based on my experience, is to be real. Real with yourself. Acknowledge your feelings. Feel them. Express them. Don't hold them back. Don't stuff them down. Accept that you're feeling these feelings and it's okay. It's appropriate. It's proper. It's exactly what you need. And don't judge yourself about it. I just think you've got to know that you did the best you could in the circumstances. You never did any less than the best you could do in any one moment. Your best varies every day. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Your best does vary every day. Doesn't it? If we can keep that in mind and not judge ourselves and acknowledge that every living thing has a life cycle and it is not up to us to decide the length of that life cycle. To me, that's a huge thing because I think as humans, we think we should be able to manipulate that life cycle and very often we do. If we can recognize that everything has a life cycle, everything will pass when it's, it's time, that's a hard thing to do, but I believe that it would help us all. And I think that's being courageous. And I also think that allowing yourself to feel and grieve, however it looks for you, is a courageous thing to do. So I wasn't very courageous at dinner last night. <laughs> well, I wouldn't judge yourself for that. It may have not felt appropriate. You could be courageous in that moment by saying to yourself, 
mom and dad, I sure wish you were here. You know, I would love to spend this Thanksgiving with you. You could just say that to yourself and that would be courageous. Courageous doesn't mean you have to be out in front of somebody and do it. If you need to go to your closet and cry, then out of frustration or sadness or anticipating the grief of something, you know, the loss of something, then that's courageous too. Okay. It's not a performance. It's never a performance. It's a personal expression. All right. Well, thank you, Cheryl. That's, that's pretty cool. And I think we've learned a little bit. Basically, feel what you need to feel. Yes, absolutely. Feel what you need to feel. Be okay with it. And you'll get through. And if you need help, then please ask for help. There right. are lines everywhere for you to call upon to get the help that you might need. You can call me. Please don't hesitate if you need assistance because no one should have to grieve alone if they don't want to. We will put a link to some resources in our show notes. So be sure to check those out. If you haven't started your holiday shopping yet, be sure to go to Amazon and purchase Cheryl's book, Emotional Self-Mastery, and its 90-Day Companion Journal. Tell your friends about us. Please tell your friends. All right. Until next week, you guys take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Emotional Self-Mastery. We'll be back next Thursday with a new topic to help you reclaim your personal power and self-confidence. Please be sure to subscribe to and like this podcast and share it with a friend. And if you want a deeper dive into emotional self-mastery, get Cheryl's book by the same title on Amazon. Download the first chapter for free on her website under the book tab. Want to receive a full recap of this week's content with resources and helpful hints? Sign up on the first page of my website at simplythebestresults.com. Talk to you next week.